crushing me right now. Just screaming on at me. On stage. On stage. Like Ray Charles, kind of. Oh, man. You know, did Ray do that? Yeah. Watch my foot. Oh, yeah. Headstock. Watch my, and just like, yeah. you know, whiplash. Yes. Yes. Not my tempo. Yeah. Not my tempo. I'm like, he did everything but throw a symbol at my head, you know? <laughs> And for the first, it had to have been like the first six months of playing that gig. I was just wow. run through the ringer. And I was coming off but of eight a, years, huh? Yeah, we did eight years. But yeah, the, the, the first, it was a learning curve because I had been playing such structured right. to click right. light show sequence oh, yeah. to, I want the time to kind of be elastic here. Yes. He's describing, he's like, I want, you know, when you hear me pushing, I want you to so come along. So this is where you learn the push and pull. The push and pull is very important yes. in the type of music that was being nice. played. And, uh, you know, that's not to say we're jumping, you know, five beats per minute right. up, you know, but it's a little push in the course and now we're going back to the verse. So we're going to chill and playing behind the beat and understanding that if the, you know, there's the time can be a, a little, um, you know, there's some gray area there. Yep. There's the time, there's the, the meter, the, yep. you know, r- where that click is. And there's a little bit ahead yep. and there's a little bit. A little behind. sense to the left, a little sense and to I the didn't, right. And I just was so, for everything that I was doing from a kid to that point mm. was just. Nail it. On it. Yeah. That's where it's supposed to be. Yes. And Lath taught me that there's some flex. There's some some elastic that can happen here. And and you should appreciate, you know, listen to this guy. Yeah. Listen to the yeah. Clyde Stubblefield who just oh, passed away. I too. know. Just yeah. like just like when I got into Sweaty Suede Lips, I had to do research. I had to like when I got into Sweaty Suede Lips, I had to get all the KMFDM well, you know, KMFDM, mm. Marilyn Manson, yep. Nine Inch Nails. Um, On the beat. Yeah, and all that stuff, I, I didn't know it very well, but I, I was happy yeah. to be a part of something that was like that and, and did not have any qualms about doing the research and getting into the genre. So you know, playing blues and R&B and Motown and yes. that stuff with Lath was like, you know, yes. polar opposite yes. of <laughs> you know, industrial you know electronic. So I early on, um, I was supposed to go the route of Prague. Mm. I was 17 when when I actually was going to go the route of uh, Prague. And then I jammed with a lot of cool uh, Filipino rock legends. Mm. And so they were like the rock legends, right? And I was like this 17-year-old kid. And after the jam session, we were having pizza. One of them actually said, you're, you're, I like your drumming. You're very good. And as a 17-year-old kid, I was like, yeah. Props, man. And then he goes on, but you effing son of a bitch. <laughs> in front Why? of everybody. He's like, dude, if this was a basketball game, I was in the painted area <laughs> asking for the ball. And this was the guitar player. You never pass. You never, you, you Open don't. Open your ears. Uh, <laughs> Open your ears. You don't know how to pass the ball. Yeah, yeah. And I was just playing all over the place, right? And then because of that, I kind of had to, okay, now. That I think we've all had, well, I mean, maybe not all, but the ones that can have this conversation, we've had that yes. person come up and say, hey, yeah. you got great chops. But I'm not but paying you exactly. by the note, you know. You're not going to be a millionaire at the end of this gig for all Same the notes thing. that you're yes, playing. Yes, yes. Just, you know, play pocket. the song, yeah. man. There's something to be said about that pocket. 
And, and then and then when he said the word pocket, I was like, I never understood that because I was. Yeah, what do you mean? I was like, I was I was on the beat all the time. It was yeah. my bandmate JJ, whom we met a while ago. Mm-hmm. Him being a, a laid back keyboard player, he was the guy who listened to Motown, all mm-hmm. that stuff, and actually said, "Listen to that." And I go, "Same stuff." And then he introduced me to John Mellencamp. Oh, yeah. Kenny, Kenny Aronoff. Yeah, yeah. Listen to that. And that guy has a similar story. I've met Kenny a number of times. Yeah. And uh, and I've read enough articles on him where yes. he was the guy that was sidelined on the first maybe record or two. Yep. Because he couldn't find the pocket in the yeah. studio. Yeah. He And he was pissed. Yes. But it lit a fire. He's like, I'm going to figure out what these session guys that are replacing me are doing. Like Jim, Jim Keltner can pull that beat he could stretch it like like oh my yeah, god yeah keltner's great <laughs> you have a story I, yeah well keltner's on the last couple of uh Lath el Saudi records so oh. <laughs> hey if you're gonna be replaced <laughs> in the studio it better be somebody like jim keltner right there you go and yeah that's just it's funny because but, you said jim keltner and i like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know all about jim keltner but right i mean yeah. those cats really know how to no, and that's like a lot of, you know, when I get asked, you know, favorite drummers, blah, blah, blah. Okay, my name is is great. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned guys like, you know, Steve Ferroni is great. Steve Ferroni, yes. J.R. Robinson. Oh. J.R. Robinson does oh. not get enough. Everybody, you should know who, like, he's on so many records. I love J.R. Robinson. Ask the me Michael for Jackson what? stuff, See, the you're Lionel going, Richie stuff. You're going the, Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie. I'm going uh, Wilson Phillips. Oh, don't get me started on Wilson Phillips. I got a story about Lionel and Wilson Phillips. I want to hear. I want to <laughs> no, I, I, I do, but I don't know if I want to get that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the trials and tribulations of L.A., man. Oh, you did that gig? Well, I was I was supposed to do those gigs. <laughs> you auditioned. So who was in Wilson Phillips? China and the... Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. The I, was, I was supposed to be a a, a, a a sub, possible sub at some point. You know, I know the guys in the band, and I, I still work with one of them that was in the touring band. Wow. Um, but we work on uh, film trailer stuff together. Or He's got a company that does film trailer sound yeah. bites and stuff like that, and I, um, I work with him on that. But, yeah, he was, in, he was a touring guitar player for Wilson Phillips. So they like, brought you, you in. Got, he's an Australian cat. He's like, mate, you got you to learn all these songs. So you, I can't do an Australian accent. But you got to learn all these songs so you can be, you know, I'm going to yeah. get you in. And the hat, the name's in the hat for so you. So you did song. that. Hold on. Oh, I had such a good time learning that song. I'm such <laughs> a know, sucker for right? all that Glenn Ballard, <laughs> like, perfectly <laughs> written <laughs> songs. People dog on me for like, oh, you like that milk you get, toast did shit. You like, get, yes, I do. Okay. I love milk toast. Did you get to play that song with them? No. <laughs> I didn't even get in the door with them, but I did meet them all. I went to a okay. rehearsal, and, and I was getting in there, but the opportunity never came up, you know, to be honest. That's and, a nice song, though. J.R. Robinson and that oh, track. J.R.'s playing is so good. And he's on, uh, what, the Off the Wall record, and yeah. he's on the Lionel stuff. Yes. More heart-wrenching story with Lionel. But we haven't gotten to my, like, I'm not even okay, in, yeah, LA we're not yet. in L.A. Let's go back to I Michigan. haven't gotten my ass kicked by so, L.A. Okay. quite yet. So eight years with late. Eight years with late. I did eight years with late, and we did it, everything from, you so know. So hold on. Eight years with late, eight years with Guitar Center. Did they happen simultaneously? Or? There was some overlap there, but I was gigging. So, yeah, I was, I was gigging heavily with late. We would do these so weekend runs. So from Wednesdays, runs. you got promoted to. 
I was doing drummer. Thursdays, oh, Thursdays, and then I got the Wednesday Thursday, and then hey, I'm doing this run of dates, and we were. In, the, the, here's the thing about the Midwest: it's awesome to do this grassroots touring thing. You right. can set up your own tour pretty easily. Okay, and, and I. Shouldn't even use the word tour. I hate when people say, "Oh, I toured." The-. Now we get in a van and we, right. do, you hey, know, it's not a tour. Yeah, no. you set up a string of dates or you know, concerts. You're doing season. it. You're doing it. Uh, yeah. You know, grassroots style. You're doing it yourself. Right. But the nice thing about the Midwest is you can get everywhere you need to be in, in four hours. Okay. You know, you can get to Chicago in four hours. You can get to you yeah. know, you have Detroit, Ann Arbor, Toledo, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Chicago. Um, you know, you can go the other way and go to Pittsburgh and in four hours. Like, well, I mean, but yeah, you can literally, maybe sometimes there's a six hour drive, but you can hit a major city. Right. Within four to six hours. Unlike here, you travel. get to the East coast and then you're bouncing around all over the place. So it's a different, and then Michigan alone, we've played every city, (laughs) big and small, you know, from Flint and Saginaw, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Traverse City, Muskegon, uh, Hell, Michigan is an actual place. Hell, Michigan? Yes. Uh, Played it. Oh, Um, (laughs) You know, these small towns in mid-Michigan, I look at my hand because my girlfriend loves when I do that, mid-Michigan yeah. right there. Um, but up north, you know, they need entertainment too, you right, know, and it's right. not like they have, Detroit's four hours away, they're not driving to Detroit to see, you know. That's true. You're going up there and you're playing a weekend at, you know, at whatever, Slaggers, you know, whatever, and and Traverse City and Petoskey and Charlevoix, there's a lot of Chicago money there, people uh, summer, or yeah. yeah, summer homes on the on Lake Michigan and there's a lot of money in those towns so they bring you up and treat you really good and get you a room and and you know eight years huh we were doing i you know i started with him in 2004 um yeah we were we were together i mean i'm still playing with him so that's 16 years i've been with that guy oh my god Layth el saudi everybody <laughs> I just got off a plane last night. I play. I, I flew into Michigan to do a couple dates. I played with Josie uh, Pace. Um, you know the the dark wave electronic uh-huh. synth driven dark you know stuff yeah. at City Club, which is the goth hang in Detroit. And then the next night, I'm playing with Leith Al Sadi, and you know four hours north in Traverse. And City. now you're here. And then I show up for this. <laughs> it's, it's a living. <laughs> You know, um, so yeah, did, uh, and, and the thing about playing the bars and clubs and, and the, I mean, we did weddings, we did all that stuff. We got really, really tight and really good, you know, and does and he still yell at you? No, not as much. <laughs> Maybe a scowl every now and then, you know, just to make sure I'm paying attention. And you're you know, fine with that. Look. It doesn't feel good. Ugh. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> You know, I want to make sure people are happy. You right, know? Right, right. And when you make your band leader scowl at you for unknowingly playing something not to his liking, you, you take it to heart. You know, I, I do t- take things to heart but maybe way more but often maybe, than I probably should. Maybe that's why you guys are still together. Cause, well, know. there was a moment in time that I, I quit the band. Oh. I quit the band, and I think... I was gone for maybe a year, but you know. So who who gave way first? I don't I don't remember. You know, uh, I, was it, you. I guess it depends on who you ask. <laughs> I seem to remember getting a phone call. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know. But it, you know what? It, it needed to happen. It was it was it, we were, we were really good together, and right. the um, you know, I you see when when drummer 
ah, guitar leader, player. yeah, drum, yeah, have that thing. Like yes. I always look at at uh, uh, Billy Corgan and Jimmy Chamberlain, yes. their relationship. Oh yeah. And you know, Jimmy came and went. Jimmy got fired. Right. Jimmy, uh, you know, got back in. Jimmy quit. Yes. <laughs> and, and now Jimmy Jody back got again. Jimmy quit, and Jody got married. <laughs> Should have known. We'd Should've never known, get, man. Should have known. We'd never get far. Now that's a song, man. That is a song. I love that. Song. Oh my God! When I look back now, <laughs> that is a story song. I love the writing of that song and the production. True. You know, it's based stuff. on what you just said. About the, the the drummer and the front man, the way I see it, and I was um, I was talking to one of my guests. I always see the drummer as the quarterback, mm. and the front man as the wide receiver. Mm. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. I always use the goalie analogy. Who's the goalie? The, the drummer being the goalie. I'm a, you know, from Hockey Town, so okay. Know. The goalies or is basketball the because if you call yourself the quarterback, they're they're gonna put you in your place real quick. They're gonna, no, 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 no. I know. I <laughs> know. ain't gonna give you that much credit. But but then again, but think about it. But uh, no, I, I see what right? you're saying. Like, yeah. I, I tell I tell people, I tell my friends, like a good band with a sucky drummer is a sucky band. The whole band can't survive. You can have a mediocre band with a great drummer, and yes, that you can yes. survive like that. That's why I, 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 I take pride in our kind, and I say... Oh, and you we, can have a good quarterback. You can have some crappy, you know, people uh, on the line and... Right? You know. So, it's so like, I see what you're saying. It's there's, like there's Shaq, and, Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Shaq would take Kobe. it... Yeah, exactly. Shaq would take it down, but Kobe would set up the play for... Yeah, there's got to be... You know, it, it is a team effort, and yes. you always have... There's, there's got to be a relationship between whoever's... Doing the out front thing, man. I would. Oh. I don't want that gig. You know mm. that gig is, is sounds. You know I like being behind my drum kit. Right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, coming up with the the between song banter. I mean, there's a whole thing that goes along yeah. with fronting a band. Yeah, and um, they can they can have that position. So you're fine where you are. I am. So, okay. So when did you go to L.A.? Okay, so um, I'm with Lath for a long time, blah, blah, blah. I quit. I come back. I, wait, wait, wait. When you, of, when you quit, what did you do? I played with uh, a band, uh, the Lucas Paul Band. Still in Michigan. Still in Michigan. <laughs> I was playing with a lot of, I mean, I would get calls from a lot of different people, but I would have my studies, you know, the okay. Randy Brock group I played oh. with, uh, you know, uh, Lucas Paul Band, Brett Lucas. There was a lot of Lucases. Right. Um, but I would get calls to, to do a lot of different stuff, and I was doing a bit of recording. I was playing, you know, the session work in Detroit was not like, okay, uh, we need you for, you know, Ford commercial. Right. Yeah, okay, cool. And, uh, throw, you know, a couple bars of a drum lick down and they'd use it. That was it. Yeah. It was, it was very, you know, but you get a good check. Of because course. It's the big three, man. I, yeah. I worked for GM and Ford, you know. There you go. You know, my dad always wanted me to work for GM. So there it was. I'm like, dad, I got paid from GM. <laughs> not quite like you thought I would. As a drummer. Yeah. So, you know, the session where I was teaching, I had like 15 to 20 students at a time. I was teaching. I had left Guitar Center in 2005. Okay. You asked earlier about, like, were you playing with Lathe? And yeah. there was overlap, but it got really exhausting real quick mm. because when you're playing the bars and the clubs, and you had to two open in the, morning the store and had to be up and yeah. at work at 9 a.m. to get, you know, yeah. things rolling. And you had, you know, the store operations manager was. Yeah, of course. Know, you had a quota to, to you, hit. You had to, you had to do it right. Yeah. And uh, I maintained that for a lot of years, and they 
you know, I say I left Guitar Center. Nobody that, that does a good job at Guitar Center really <laughs> leaves. They're asked to leave eventually. Um, and it was because I was really good at my gig. I right. take pride in anything that I anything that I do. I want to do really, really well. And I, I crushed it at that job. I was really good. I made bonuses every year. Uh, I was asked to give um, speeches at you know meetings with other operations managers on certain subjects. And, and I was writing articles in the corporate newsletter. I was good at the gig. But they wanted me to move up. And oh, moving up means... Means no gig. No gig. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to do How that. How about your roommates? So. Did they graduate college and did they leave I you? I think they, you know, eventually <laughs> I moved in with my girlfriend <laughs> okay. to the condo where I couldn't keep my drum kit. Oh, and that's, that's why when you I brought it home. Okay. At my folks' place. But okay, I'm, a, I'm, a beautiful g- condo on the lake and, nice. and a girlfriend of, of a long period of time. I was with that girl. Uh, and I was constantly like, hey, LA, you got to move out to LA. Because I was getting restless. Okay. I had done. Everything I felt like that I could do in the Midwest. You say, okay, okay, fair And enough. I had hit that ceiling. And if I had to play Brown Eyed Girl at somebody's wedding one more damn oh. time, um, you know, because I was happy to be working. In 2005, the Guitar Center thing ended. I was, a, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me, at being asked to leave that job because I could never leave the stability, yeah. the health insurance, the yeah. 401k, the profit Everything. sharing. Yes. And, you know. Oh, you guys had profit sharing oh, yeah. too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a public company. But eight years. Time. So you're vested, huh? I did, I did well. And I was a high paid, you know. They uh-huh. don't pay those guys half of what I was right, making. Okay. The company's way different now. Um, and uh, But I was, I was asked to leave in 05. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, this is my opportunity to make a go at this this whole. I, I was able to comfortably segue into a life of full time music at that point because I had already wow. been doing so many gigs with yes. Lathe. Yes, I had students, and I, you know, you know, still had ties in Guitar Center well enough to still get the discount, <laughs> and uh, so everything was working out great. And I had a relationship that I was in. And Maybe those I, are the reasons why you wouldn't want to go to Los Angeles. Well, from 2005 on to finally 2012. Seven years. Yeah. It was at that point where I said, you know, and it would, you know, 2009 to 2010 was the economy sucked. Yeah. And, every, and there was nothing in, in Detroit. Know, at first, it was like everybody was piling in the bars to right. drink their sorrows away. But then they ran out of money to do yeah. that. And the bars yeah. started being empty. Uh-huh. I'm like, this sucks, man. I got I to gotta make a go of this. And my girlfriend just would not budge. She wow. was family-oriented and, and just did not want to leave the, the... Did your sister leave Michigan? Or is she... No, my sister moved to Jackson, Michigan, which was, uh, you know, mid, mid-state. Okay, so about... Um, yeah, thirty minutes, one hour, probably an hour, an hour. From, from where I was, uh-huh. and um, you know, set up a nice home there. And she went the route of you know, four years of college, uh-huh. got the degree, got the job, got the husband, had kid number one here, had kid number one a couple of years, you know. So you guys are very opposite. Oh yeah. man, yeah, she did it by the book, <laughs> and I went rogue. Okay, so you told home. you told your girlfriend at the time, LA, and she said no. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't going. What'd you say? I stuck around, you know, I didn't, I, I, things were going fairly well until they weren't. Oh. And, uh, as soon as that relationship ended, man, I, oh, it, only, it, it only took me a matter of, I think three months to. Okay. So Ellie was at the back of your mind. And the only thing keeping you from LA was your relationship. Girl. Yes. A girl. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Girl and some some gigs. Wow. The girl was Okay, so now three months later, what made you decide to go to LA? Well, I mean, I knew that uh there's three cities in the country that you could really move to to make go of the entertainment scene, and that was New York, Nashville, or LA. Now the reason why I'm asking you all these questions about mm-hmm. LA is because I'm pretty sure our listeners, there are kids listening who are thinking so. the same thing. Yeah. My son when uh, when things weren't doing well for him when he was like 20, 21, mm-hmm. told me I'm going to Nashville because mm. he thought he wanted to become a drummer and, or, a, or a personal trainer and, and go to Nashville and do that. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to Upland. Inland Empire. Rancho Not quite Nashville. I know, but, out of the, but still out of the house. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fine with that. But you, what? What was the mindset? Well, you know, a couple things. Um, Still heartbroken after three months? No more. What, over the over the, the girl? relationship? Yeah. I was, you know, the last two years of that relationship, there was a strain. Okay. There was a strain when I lost my job at Guitar Center in 05. It okay. became very difficult because then we had two completely different lifestyles. She was a dental assistant. Ah. I'm playing bars and clubs. So you guys weren't so, seeing each other you know, anymore. It's, it's yeah. funny because, yeah, I was getting home and she was waking up for work. Yes. And, you know, it became like this whole... Roommates. Um, well, yeah, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, you liked me because I was the musician guy. Right. Now I'm full-time musician guy, and it's not cool anymore. Uh, you know? now, now it's interfering with our lifestyle. What the hell do you want me to do? Exactly. So it, it, there was some strain. And, um, but for a lot of years, it was, a, it was a fine relationship. We worked all that stuff out. Um, but, yeah, by 2010, I was just like, this is not going well. Wow. And the last two years, we probably should have called it, but like the job. Yes, I had a hard time just, just saying bye bye. Yeah, I. But you were everything okay. that I did. I was either fired from uh-huh. or somebody had to make the decision right, for right, me. It right, wasn't right. easy for me to do. Right. And uh, that decision came to uh, 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 you know when she a said, very apparent. I'm done. Good. No, no, well, it wasn't that as cut and dry as that. You know, My one first... day you get a phone bill. You're like, well, whose number is this, and why uh, are you calling this person so uh, much? Uh, uh. And, but it was just like such a, you know, it sucks when, when a long-term relationship like that ends, that but at way. the same time yeah. I was so ready and I was so ready to go Wait, on a different journey. Who found know? the phone number of who? Was it she I, to you or I you to her? I figured out that uh, there was a, there was some conversations uh, happening uh, and, uh, you know, I was like, who is this phone number and what, because the phone bill was like $300. Yeah, I'm like, what sucks. the hell is, who is this? And you're in the times. I'm like. Ooh. Calling this person on the way to work every day for like a month. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> and it was just like this, this like, yeah. So that made it easy. It it, it made it easy for me. Yeah. 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 You know, and hell, I was no angel either, but I, she got yeah, caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the difference, <laughs> you know. Okay, so Ellie Bound, did you say goodbye? To, how'd you say goodbye to mom and dad? Well, um, I mean, there was a period. I think there was... I say it was three months. It was it was a uh, it was a little longer. I I had some things to do. Like I had to get rid of this condo. Right. I had to. I, there was some things to do. So I started, you know, uh, making those arrangements right. and getting out of you know. So that was those stressful in itself as well. Well, yeah, because the the housing market was just it was brutal. I literally had to drop the keys on the counter and walk away and and wow. ruin my wow. perfect impeccable finances. Credit. Yeah. That I because I oh, I was oh, really. Ooh you know, good with that sort of thing. And yeah, she left me with that. 
Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I held off getting married so I wouldn't intertwine like yeah. finances and I still got screwed. How the hell does that work? But either way, uh, time heals all wounds. Um, but I had those things to like get rid of and figure out. But I utilized that time to, I think for a year, I was, I was doing what I referred to as reconnaissance missions. I was flying okay. to LA. I made the decision to, um, for LA because. Um, of a couple reasons. New York is awesome, but that big town is like the biggest town. You're I talking know. a big adjustment. Yeah. Um, and the weather. Oh, when you brutal. spend 35 years of your life Snow. in Michigan weather, you're over it, man. I was so done with winter. And uh, so. Oh, so that's why you got a condo. What? Well, I didn't want didn't to shovel. Yeah, I didn't. I, I paid a, uh, an association fee for that crap to be done. Yeah, I, I wasn't I shoveling figured, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no grass cutting. There was no none of that stuff for me. I was Smart. happy to pay the extra couple hundred bucks to get all that done. Um, but yeah, uh, New York was a huge city. Kind of tough as a drummer logistically yes. to get yes. around with Taxi, a drum kit. Barking. Wasn't interested in that. Wasn't interested in any more winners. And I didn't know anybody there. Nashville, okay, it's closer to Michigan. Right. Um, you know, you look at it like it's okay. Yes, there's a lot of country music. It is the country music capital, but there's other stuff there. Right. Um, but I didn't know anybody there. Still gets a little chilly, and the. You have to understand about Nashville too is the tightness uh, of what, those cats. It's like man. a mafia. I think Once the same in, three cats uh, are playing drums on yeah, everybody's record, yeah. and you are not penetrating. They don't like outsiders. At least at that point, they didn't like outsiders coming now. in. I heard it's different now. Oh, Everybody from LA is jumping oh, going there in Nashville. Yeah, a lot of people oh are. Um, and then LA, I knew some people oh. in LA. I knew. Let's say four or five people. Right. The weather, yeah, you know, everything that's stereotypical. The, the cliche reasons to move to L.A. And I liked that idea. Like Hollywood has got an appeal, you know. Um, and I, you know, I just knew that there was a lot of stuff. This is where you come to, and like, like I said, it's all the cliche reasons of why. But it's true though. The cliche the reasons cliches are, all are true. cliches for a reason. They're, yes. they're all true. Yeah. they are. Um, so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to fly out and meet up with my four people that I know and four people turn to eight people, you know, turn to 10 people, turn to 20 people. And before you know it, you know, I flew out here at least two or three times before settling in. And I had like this 40 to 50 people that I had had meetings with. I mean, I was, I was, I got, <laughs> I got maps from AAA oh. to learn the layout of yes, the land. Yes, like yes. I did all this stuff. I, I wanted to know where to move to and how to do this. Like I'd never, you know, made a kind of move like this. I know, you major, know? What's that? Major move. Yeah, major move. Yeah. And and uh, and and on my own, it was supposed to be with Ken Roberts, my production <laughs> partner of uh, now twenty over twenty years. At that point, it was uh, uh, twelve years this since twenty twelve. Sweaty sweet lips. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a long time since nineteen ninety eight. And you know, he would come. I think he came out with me one out of the two or three times and checked it out. And. Um, you know, he, he said no. He bailed on me. <laughs> I, I, I made the move, and he was still. He's like, "Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there." He, he, he didn't come out. Um, so was it brutal when you came in? When I came to town in 2012, 
February 10th of 2012. Ooh. It's my anniversary. Oh, happy Eight anniversary. Eight years yeah. in, in L.A. Um, it was, and as many times as I flew out and did these reconnaissance, reconnaissance missions yeah. and made a group, like I had my core group of people that were just like, everybody had the same thing that they said. You just need to be here. Be here. Yeah. You need to come here. If you're going to do this, mm-hmm. you'll get the work. You've got that Midwestern work ethic and you've got the chops. Um, you just need to come and, and yeah. get the LA address and, you know, it, it set up shop in the Valley somewhere like we all yeah. do, you know, everybody moves to North Hollywood. Not anymore. Kids, <laughs> we've priced this out. Um, arts, Gent- dist- arts Gent- district. I know, right, right? <laughs> Gentrification. We're all going to be living in Panorama city by this time next year. Um, Gentrification. But baby. I, I did. I moved to North Hollywood. I uh. found a roommate in a beautiful condo. Uh, who had wait wait wait? You found a beautiful roommate in a condo, or you? No, found I a, found a beautiful oh, condo with a, <laughs> with a with a roommate who was from originally from Michigan, so okay. we had a lot of common yeah. ground there. Um, and uh, you know, so I I I sell off a lot of my personal items, and Ooh. I you know I basically hooked up a U-Haul trailer to my GMC Envoy SUV. My SUV is packed full of, you know, clothes, and the U-Haul is packed with all my drums, my studio rig, all my recording equipment. Um, It was more important to me to find a studio space than it was to, I'll find the studio space first, and then I'll figure out where to live. Right. And that, you know, that worked out. Um, So where's your studio at? My studio at that point was at, uh, it was in Van Nuys. It was a lockout. It was a lockout. Uh Uh-huh. Man, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it's one of the big ones. Third Encore. Third Encore has a gazillion rooms now. Third like, Encore. He has multiple buildings. There's one one of his buildings is where where like the, the was this on big Stag, Stag Street? No, was it on that, Stag? I know that street. Uh. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of activity in that area. Yeah. Everything is kind of in pockets. Even where I'm at now is like kind of near a, that uh, where you buy. Um, dang, what kind of bread am I talking about? A bagel. Uh, what's that on uh, um, in the valley? Bagels over there? Yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. It smelled like bagels yes. all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was like, Damn, where are the bagels at? Right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, outside. I drove okay. cross country with a trailer full of my gear. Third Encore, huh? And got to Third Encore, unloaded my gear, got to the condo where I'm, you know, living, and... The next day, started making my phone calls to all those 40, 50 people that said, you just need to be here. You know, we'll help you out. Just as soon as you get here, make that, you know, give us a call. Wow. And in true Hollywood fashion, not one of those sons of bitches answered their goddamn phone when I called. And then, and then, you had to start from zero. So yeah, 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 yeah. And I got, I got the, the full extent of the Hollywood, you know. Of course, the thing. treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody picked up their phone and helped. And I was at square one. I'm like, okay, great. So what do you do? You just start figuring out where all the hangs are, figuring out that there's a jam session, uh, open mic night scenario. Every night of the week, there's something. Monday nights was a baked potato. Tuesdays was Cafe Cordial in, in Sherman Oaks. Uh, Wednesday, I don't know where Wednesday so was. So you were there every night? Every night, every week, I was there. Uh-huh. Not sitting in, right. you, because oh. 
Really? Well, it was it was hard to get on stage for you know. I, you know what? I did you get up. on stage? Yeah. Did you, did you get on the big? Okay, yeah, see, I'm I such signed a, up. I'm such a timid creature. I I got better at things as I went, but still to this day, like I'm that kid. Corey I'm, Feldman was there the night I I actually went on. Oh, stage. is that right? Yeah, I, I have a I have a story about who <laughs> who I had to follow up my first time sitting in at the uh, the baked potato. That's but, fine. Yeah, I'm not. One to muscle my way into uh-huh. anything. I don't have that gene. Um, I look back in in like when I was on the playground in grade school. You know, my first when I moved schools in fourth grade, and I'm standing there watching all the kids play football, and I'm just I'm waiting to be asked to to Do you want to play? You know. I'm not like, hey, let me get in there and like I'm, right, I don't right, have right, that, right, right. and that sucks. <laughs> I get that. I can acknowledge it. I've tried to change that about me, you know, and and it's just like I have a hard time with that, you know, and um and and that's you know that's why you. it took yeah. me a long time to get in and get up on stage and right, play. And right. even when I did, I didn't feel good about what I did on that oh. stage. I finally, you know, after weeks of going to these things especially the baked potato um you know i i am I'm, I'm there one night and danny you know you know how it starts yeah. out they start out every one of these this is imitation <laughs> yes. it, it, like um uh intimidation 101 yeah. here kids this is how la jam <laughs> sessions and open mic nights work the house band starts the evening yes so you are watching, you are in attendance, and you're watching like a super group of musicians that you know and love from records that yep, you've purchased. Yep, they'll finish a set, yeah. And they do their four or five yep. songs, guns a-blazing. And for me, um, you know, I got on the list, and I was going up first after the house <laughs> band got done. And the guy on the drum kit was Danny Carey from Tool. Oh! Wow. <sighs> So yeah, wow. Careful, careful what you wish for, kids. Because um, yeah, I had to follow up. You know, Danny blazing chops. And yeah. What was what I thought was cool at the time was, um, and I don't know if you're a double kick guy. Yeah, I could. I could okay, so I, I like. Double, I could watch. <laughs> I I like double kick stuff, and I use it. I use the double kick pedal like like Neil. Did. Yes. Neil didn't do the you know. Driving sixteenth notes, maybe on a song or two here. He'll blast, but there's something um, that I do with like drum fills and adding the doubles and and, in between. um, Yeah, yeah. So I like the double pedal, but go to an open jam night, Uh, you will not find a double pedal on a kit. Well, unless Danny Carey's playing (laughs) at the beginning of the night. So Danny gets off the kit, and I'm like, I go up there, and I'm like, Hey, Danny, my name is Mark. Do you mind? I, and I tell him quickly, I'm like, I never get to play a double pedal at these things. So do you mind if you leave that up there for me? It's his oh. personal double, you know, DW5000, you know. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. It's cool. I, was he a nice guy? Oh, super nice guy. Okay. And gave me props afterwards, too. Oh. He's a super nice guy. Tall, very tall gentleman. Um, but I get to go up there, <laughs> and I'm, I sit down at the kit, and of course... It's an uncomfortable setup because he's a monster, and he gets to set up the way he wants. And when you do these open jam nights, you don't get any time to work out the angle perfectly to your or you know your ergonomics. ergonomics, Yeah, yeah. you don't get to do that crap. 
you know, and that drives me nuts because I like to be comfortable to be able to do my thing. And there's actually YouTube videos out there right now. One, you know, Ken Roberts sent me one uh, not too long ago about that very thing, like being able to sit in yes. on somebody else's yes. kit, being able to do these open jam nights in big cities like this. In New York, you're never using your own kit. Nope. You know, you're using the house kit. What Deal else? with it. Yeah. Deal with it. So I sit down at this kit. And, you know, I've got my buddy Gene Makovsky there, who I met at the Baked Potato, who's still a friend of mine. One of my very few close, <laughs> like, you can trust friends in Hollywood. And uh, we're playing these tunes, and I'm using Danny's double pedal. And Danny's a big guy, man. So you got it all spread out. Well, it's not that it's so spread out. It's the, the backswing of the beater. Oh. When he, sits down, when he sits down at the kit, the pedals just go down, yeah, you yeah. know? So the, the, the pedal, the, the, the beater is set way back. Yes. So with every beat, oh. I'm getting the beater, the backswing of the beater to the top of my foot, just right. pelting me in the top of my foot. Right. That's a very tender of area yeah, of your yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get off the kit limping because every, with every beat, I'm getting punched in the top of the foot by this DW. 5,000 beater. What you like? <laughs> for the 9,000. Uh, I know, right? Um, but, but that made for a great conversation piece with Danny Carey out back. You know, uh, the back patio yes, where you, we yes, all yes, end up, you yes. know, smoking and drinking back there. I come out there and Danny's, you know, sitting on the hood of his Porsche. And, and I'm like, thanks a lot, man. And I tell him the story and he was just laughing, but he's like, yeah, I heard you in there, man. That was, that was really, really good. And I didn't think it was really good, but he gave you, you know, props. he gave me props and I learned, you know, there, there's articles in modern drummer and th this is a really good thing to learn too. There's a, a natural response when people come up to you after a show and tell you, you yeah. and compliment you and say that how much fun they had, blah, blah, blah. And there's that, yeah, well, you know, you should hear me on a good night or there's that, you know, yeah. into like what we really feel like we should yeah. have sounded like we never sound like blah, blah, blah. Don't do that to people. You're demeaning their, you know, yes. you're, you're basically shitting on their opinion. Yes. You know, and that's not cool. You're making them feel like, oh, what yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, was yeah, good. Yeah. You you're like shutting sucks. them so, down. Yeah. So just don't do that. Uh, thank you. That's it. <laughs> that's all you need to say. Thank be, you. Be a generous receiver. Yeah. And, and you can think in your mind all the things that yeah. you didn't, you know, get executed properly. And nobody gives a shit about that, yeah. you know? Unless you really train wreck, then you should be yes, down exactly. on yourself. And you shouldn't oh in, in mingle with the crowd at all. You should you leave, get your gear you and get the get, hell go, out of there. Go home. Figure out your life. So what happened after all these, uh, after all these open mics? Were mm -hmm. you able to... You know, I, it was a frustrating experience for me. And, and probably just because of my personality and not, you know, I would be invited to these... Oh, man, what was the one that really just set me off? Um, it's down... Um, it's down. Uh, where the hell is it, man? I'm drawing a blank. You said in Hollywood? It, no, it's not in Hollywood. This is uh where Guns N' Roses started out. What the hell is the name of that? The Kibitz Room. The Kibitz Room. Are you familiar no. with that one? Um, do you know where the Grove is? Yeah, yeah. It's down that way. Okay. Okay. And you know Fairfax, whatever the hell that Fair, is. Third Street, Fairfax. Uh, Fairfax. We'll call it Fairfax. Okay. Um. So yeah, more, and I would be invited. West LA. More, yeah, 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 West LA. So I would be invited 
by the guy putting it on, you know? Okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sure to get up there. And they do this thing there where they just transition into the next song. It's like yep. a medley yeah. for an hour. So people are easily getting their guitars plugged in while the song's going on and then just starting. Well, this guy's hogging the damn drum kit. I just can't get up there, man. And I'm not, again, I'm not one to muscle my hey. way up there. You know, and, and thank Thankfully, my girlfriend is is an awesome. Like we, we're a power couple when we go ah. out. You know, she's a really good asset and is a, it champions me a, a lot. Very very supportive. Isn't and, that so nice, right? You find the right person, everything just takes and, off. And she's well connected in the scene. So having met her and and starting a relationship with her, it was it was you know, for obvious reasons, great. But for yeah. for for what I lack in my personality yeah, to get into things, she's yeah. like God. You know, it's just yelling at the drummer to get off the damn kit and let my boyfriend play. So I finally get up there and play, and I just never, I never liked it. I never liked sitting in on those things. Um, it's very clicky. All those cats are kind of in their yeah. circles, and it's hard to penetrate that. And wall. you feel like you're the outsider doing. But I always. Felt but what's like your? The but what's all my <laughs> life? I feel like the but outsider. What was your demeanor when you were in it? Um, like when you when I, I was like, playing or when yeah, I was when just you were, there. When, no, when you were playing, like you can't just say professional, but go deep inside the definition of how professional were you? You were know, you, I was playing you? well. I didn't want to step on any anyone's toes. Okay. You know, people are singing and playing their things. I didn't blaze any chops right. or do anything inappropriate but i just blended and i was uh, vanilla and like nobody yeah yeah you know I, i was under the radar like you mentioned when we first met up tonight you're like how do you not have like i'm la's best kept secret baby <laughs> i am under the radar but i i got work you know i'm working but i you know and and another thing that you know a lot of people told me when i moved here it was 2012 and And a lot of YouTube content uh -huh. was very, very important. And they're like, you know, stressing the importance of that. And they're like, you don't, you're, you're not going to get a lot of gigs at first. The only opportunity to pe for people to see and hear you're playing is the open jam sessions and online. You right. got to have a presence. You got to have right. YouTube videos of you crushing it. Yeah, you know? I'm like. And you have that. Holy. Well, he reluctant, has that. reluctantly, I, I started oh. putting, I don't. Putting a camera on yourself, and, and it's just, I know that there's a certain amount of ego that is necessary to yeah. do what we do in the first place. Yes. But there is something about putting a camera or three on yourself. This is playing me. Playing drums to a cover <laughs> yeah. of whatever, and it's just like, it's weird. And it, I was never comfortable with it. And for me, it has to be a production Like there has to be different cuts. Like I got yeah. this one where I, you know, and I never, they're like, you got to choose a song to do a cover to. And I'm like, I'm choosing songs that nobody's going to be looking up because it's like, I did a, a BT song. Oh, who the hell is BT? Not BTS, Not the BTS. Korean, you know, okay. BT. BT is an electronic artist that I like a lot. And I found a recording that. Minus drums. Where there's not, where real drums over the top of that okay. are going to sound yes. awesome. Yes. And I did that. But of course, nobody's searching for BT drum cover. But you, but you know? know what? I understand where you're coming from because, as, uh, as outspoken as I am and as type A as my personality is, and as, I mean, I have this studio, mm -hmm. I've only covered 
one one drum video on my channel. That's it. Yeah, I couldn't get myself to do it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing to to like you know watch your watch the playback and oh this is what a, <laughs> who the hell am I like even I'm coming here like I'm used to being one of many right in an nah, interview this setting. Is you now I know and I didn't really think about it until the drive here. <laughs> I was like, who the hell am I to take up? I didn't even think I'd fill an hour. And we've been sitting here for like two and a half, whatever it is. Nice, right? I've got decades of stuff to like, because I never get an opportunity. And I'm fine with that. It's like, I'm fine with being in a band setting and going and doing a radio interview to promote Um, a show or a record or video or whatever. And I've done those with Josie. I did those with Sweaty Sweet Lips. I learned how to do interviews, but it was these brief moments of like, Oh, what does the drummer have to say? Oh, never mind." You know, (laughs) it it was, it was very quick and I'd get my word in and I tried not to sound stupid. And, uh, you know, so so that ego that you had to have to put cameras on yourself and to make this content and to put your YouTube channel, but you did it. I did it, a and lot. I try to do it to the best of my ability. And I don't have as much content as uh-huh. say some of these, like a Cooper drummer. And, oh my uh, God! Cobas these and, these. Yeah. There's this young girl in New York. She's she's got more endorsements than I than I can you know even apply for. Right. Because she's got you know a Ton million videos, views. Yeah. Well, she looks better in a crop top too, playing drums. Oh yeah, and, of course. You know I can't pull that off. <laughs> um, but she's she's a good player, and she she doesn't have a gig. Yeah. You know, and it's frustrating this whole new social media like yeah. you have to have oh my God. X amount of views to even talk to, you know to companies. Yeah. And, and and everybody else. It's but it's so weird. It's an it's a it's a different market, it's a different monster. It is. But and you have to you have to be able to adjust. But they're making bank. They are. They and they're are getting, making they're getting bank. gear. Yeah. You know, it took me a long time to get endorsements because like I said, I'm the under the radar, I'm the I'm the best kept secret of town, baby. And <laughs> You know, um, and again, you know. So you did that. You did the YouTube thing. Did it generate gigs? No. No, it generated. You, you have to have content. Right. It made for, you know, my website has grown. My YouTube has grown. And I get, you know, I get hits on my, um, I get some, you know, I love the backhanded compliments. Why, who, why does this guy not have a gazillion subscribers? Yeah, uh, I read He's that. Great. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, and it's it's like it's even, all good. Even right now, before before the podcast, I actually said, "Dude, you gotta have more than the number I don't of subscribers." Really know you know how to how to drive it up. I just do what I do. You know, if I want to do like I, I'm not gonna go out and 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 do a drum cover right. of whatever's hot right, right now right. just to get plays. Yes, I picked a BT song. I picked a Lamb song. Everybody's like, "Who the hell is Lamb?" Not Lamb of God, no, not no, metal. No, no. This is a, a electronica band yeah. from from Lamb, England. Lamb, Lamb, Lamb did the whole, uh, and I did it in black and white with multi camera. Like I had to make it a production, you know, because I just don't want it to be a drum video. Trip hop, trip hop. Thank you. Yes, I'll and try. I have a whole right. You know, the, what? I think you and I are kind of kindred spirits because the, the music. That well, we, you mentioned Duran, you mentioned Rush, and then now we go into the trip hop thing. The '90s for me. Was very cool with that. Okay, you had all this mainstream stuff, which was a melting pot. Uh, we had Seattle stuff. We we covered that all earlier, but you also had this trip hop thing. Yeah, Massive Attack. Yeah, Portishead, Delirium. Yes, yes, yes Hoover yes. Phonic. Uh, Lamb was the first artist Lamb. that I listened to. By the way, and for I did trip hop. Uh, trip hop. Uh, 
open up uh, uh, what the hell song did i do open up whatever search mark damien lamb cover like and and it's i'm really proud of that video because it, i integrated the the uh, electronic stuff and i came up with you know, I can't even listen to that song without the real drums that I put down to because it sounds empty. Now. Exactly. And I got props from them. They, you know, of course I put it on YouTube and of it, it got kicked back for copyright yeah. infringement. And I'm like, what oh. do I need to do to fix that? Because this is a really good video that I'm proud of and I don't feel like a dork doing, you know, I want this to be up. So I contacted their management and then ended up having a, you know, long distance conversation with the manager and the band oh, that's and the nice. band checked it out and they're like, Hell, that's really good. Go ahead. And, we, you got written permission to, to use it and nice. put it up. So you t- I sent that written permission to YouTube, and there it is. And it's, it's got, you know, a few thousand, you know, views. It's nice. And, it's nice. And then, um, you know, I like doing the, um, you know, I set up the GoPro when I'm actually tracking. You know, I, I have a studio in North Hollywood where I, I keep my drum kit mic'd up and ready to roll. For clients to contact me and and I track for a lot of different people. Some stuff doesn't see the light of day. I don't care. I got the check. It's fine. And and some stuff like the Josie Pay stuff. Um, you know, I'll if I'm recording it there or anywhere for that matter. I just did a session for her in Michigan while I was there. And I set up the GoPro, right. and I'm happy to like make these. Maybe I try to keep it short, like snippets of uh, one minute, two yeah. minute. Yeah. Here's me in the studio tracking this song, and make it uh, make their so it's original content. So it's yes. not going to get the views, nope. but I'm going to be happier doing that because it's something that I'm doing artistically and creatively. Yes. And Josie's doing really well in terms of you know, we've been working. Are you her, her producer? For, you know, Ken Roberts is the producer of this. You, we've been a team for a long time. And um, he found, you know, when I moved out here, he was like, I need to find, you know, we were adamant about finding a female artist. Right. And he would find these people. He'd send me some, some stuff and I'd be like, okay, cool. And uh, I'd track some drums for it. None of it was as exciting as, as we'd hoped, you know, but we were working on stuff. It was a good practice of, you know, working with somebody on a producer level and, and doing tracks for him. Um, and then he found Josie and uh, they started working together and they sent me a couple things. I was like, oh, oh, here we go. This is this is good stuff. So it got you excited. It got me excited. We did a song called Torn. That was the first one that we did. And Ken and I, I mean, I can't call myself a producer uh, in the musical sense with them. I, I am, you, you have to find your place. Okay. And, and um, in, in, <laughs> instead of fighting <laughs> a lot about direction and stuff, I just let Ken take the reins on right. this one because it was the right thing to do. They're working closely together in it's Michigan. Same logistics also. Logistics yeah. plays a part. Ken has a very focused idea. Um, it started out with me, you know, yeah, interjecting here and there. And I, I, I guess on the executive production side of things, right. I'm, I'm helping any way I can with, you know, I know about the BMI publishing stuff. Uh. I know about, you know, the administrative and operational stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm helping out with that. And, um, yeah, production ideas. I throw, I throw things in and some of them stick and most of them don't, but that's and, part of it though. <laughs> but I think just knowing when to say, yeah, look, you guys do, you it. got it. Yeah. You got it. And 
he can still like he, I, he wants my opinion on like which mixed is good stuff. yeah and it's hard being a mixing engineer in my own With, right without without the bias and well if it, well yeah and every time i'm like hey you know the kick and snare just need to oh well you're the, the drummer wanting to hear the drums i'm like no i'm thinking i'm 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 no, trying to sell him the idea that you're yes, the drummer I'm thinking, that wants to hear the drums. I'm thinking of the whole thing, man. And and there's a lot of you know, like I said earlier, when you get a lot of creative people in a room, yeah, it's not always going to be you know rainbows and daisies. Yes, it's hard. Yes, and you know you got to allow things to happen a certain way. And and uh, Ken's doing a great job producing what what this is. And Josie and, and the three of us work really well together. Um, and, uh, you know, they had to sub out a gig where I couldn't do because I was gigging somewhere right, right. else and they hated life. And, and I shouldn't say that because Bob uh, was my recommendation and, and Bob played awesome. So he did great, but they're like, yeah, he did great, but not you're, you, yeah, you, you know, so you. I feel valued Yeah, you and are. that makes me feel warm and squidgy inside. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm sensitive. So that, that matters. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you got to find your role, and and I know that that they want my opinion on uh, the production, the mixes. I when I am there in the writing sessions, I'll throw down a keyboard part, or I'll program a drum part, and then I'll record the real drums, and so I'm contributing, you know. But I'm not going to sit there and say I'm I'm co-producing anymore, okay. <laughs> as much as I wanted to. I think that that uh, it's just music production side. Yes, he's the producer, but collectively we're all trying to set these goals and figure out you so know, step you're, by step. So you're a team. Yeah. And, and Ken and I came up with the concept a while back about, you know, seeing how <clears throat> social media and the instant gratification yeah. that has to happen yeah. uh, in today's market. Um, we had this idea some time ago, but we've been in this gray area of like, well, do you release a CD, right. a hard copy of right. your music, or do you focus on, you know, online content and this and that. So this was a perfect time for us to employ this new way of, of releasing music. And that's give them a single, give them a single. Every two yeah. months we were just releasing content, 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 content constantly. And it had to be good. We're, right. You know, and um, and it's very telling of today's um, you know, music industry. Oh my god! I think we produced, I think we put out three singles and had two fully produced videos done before we ever played a live show or we ever played in a room together as a band. Wow, that is just insane. You know, go, thinking back to Ken and I's time in Sweaty Suede Lips, pre, you know, the internet yeah. was still new. Yeah. Um, you know, we were taking pictures on film, you know, right, right. <laughs> back in those days. And to do a video, music video was just unheard of. Yes. It wasn't in the budget. It wasn't you had that as thousands done. of dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, look at the stuff that you have here yeah. in the studio. It just wasn't a thing yet back in the late nineties, early two thousands. But fast forward to, I think we started working with Josie in 2016, maybe. It's been oh. about four years, and like I said earlier, that's the make or break, like three and a half, four year mark. If you can still tolerate each other, and that's you know one of the reasons why it's just stopped. But it doesn't count. You're not there. Well, I mean, 
we're we're in that <laughs> moment in now that we have now we have 17 singles out. Nice. We have I think seven fully produced videos. Everything and is all streaming, super right? really the- good quality stuff. How many videos? Seven. I think seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who does the videos? Yeah, uh, as far as who shoots them, yeah. I mean, it, you know, for the Detroit videos, uh, you know, it was it was pull every resource that we have. So who spends for this, you guys? Well, there's a lot of money that comes out of you know we we've had investors in okay. the past. You need yes. big chunks of money, yeah. you know, if you want to do things right. And videos are expensive still. I mean, even if you spend five thousand dollars on a video, you got to come up with five thousand dollars to do that video, and. You know, we'd employ, you know, friends and, you know, here's a hundred bucks. That's all we can do. You know, so we had uh, a good friend of mine that was in the, my band who I lived with in the oh, yeah, late yeah, yeah. 90s. Like, it's all the same tight-knit group of people that, like, now this guy's really good with cameras. And, okay, so he's shooting the video. Ken has a vision of what the concept of the video might be. He works closely with Josie on the look and the vibe. And, and then, you know, I'll get involved in like, okay, what do we want? Is this a performance video right, where we're right. all going to be in it? Is this just Josie? Some of them are just Josie. Some of them are, there's a, there's a video that we did called uh, the, for a song called my mistake. And if you look at this video, I mean, it is, it's shot in a, a, a you know, a warehouse type area in Detroit. That's the thing about Detroit is it's got Good a lot of space, yeah. man. There's a lot of space and, Scott Sprague, who is a good friend of ours, who used to take the sweaty suede lips uh-huh. you know, photos. He's an amazing photographer. We used his studio to do a lot of the videos. And he's got, you know, this is a, a facility that they probably used to build World War II tanks wow. in. You know, like working with Ken for the last 20 years, we have resources. We right. just have people that are great hairstylists, uh, great people in the fashion industry. Josie does a lot of modeling. I mean, people that create fashion they're calling her constantly she's nice. doing runway stuff she is our retirement plan dude like <laughs> ken and i are like she's in her mid-20s and a really really talented girl uh great voice even though we have this very synth driven mm, yeah. technologically advanced sound she writes all these songs on acoustic guitar she's an amazing guitar player speaking of that so she writes the songs, and then you guys come in to produce the songs. Mm. Does it become a collaborative effort? For the most part, yeah. I mean, since they're in the same city, they're in Detroit, and, and Ken's got a great studio facility that he works out of in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, Plymouth Rock Recording Company. There you go. Uh, shout out. boys, Toby. Um, and, uh, you know, they start the process. She comes in, strums her acoustic, and plays it. Finger-picking. She's really, really good. Um, but that was one of the things early on that we made a decision on mm. working with her is, okay, what do you want to do musically? And, you know, she's a great guitar player. She plays acoustic. She plays electric. And she's like, well, there's a gazillion YouTube yeah. girls playing acoustic guitar, strumming away and singing their thing. I don't want to do that. And Ken's like, well, how about we do a project where it's, there's no guitars? Ooh. There's no guitars in any Ooh. of our music. If it sounds like a guitar, it's, it's a, a synth, synth running through a Friedman amp yeah. cranked to 11 and, and room mic'd. You know, wow. we do, we think, like I said, we're thinking outside the box. How do you stuff. divide the pie? 33%? Three ways? 
well, 33% of zero is still zero. So. Still, <laughs> but still, right? Like, like BMI-wise. Um, well, yeah, that, that all, that, so those are tough conversations. And now those are like, you start, you start getting heated when they talk now, about the reason money. Why and, and the reason why I'm asking you is as the passive one in the bunch. Mm-hmm. I had to fight for what I get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And there's still no money being made right but now still. because we're in the phase. Yeah. But she's she's getting she's gaining momentum. Yes. Yes. We're doing really well. We have massive amounts of content, and we've been you know spoon feeding every two months. We got something new, whether it's right. a video or a song or a, a clip of what. I mean, there's a lot of content on Josie Pace, and I was talking earlier um, about the my mistake video. What a production that was. I mean, we pulled every resource. The band is not in it. It's not a performance uh-huh. video. Uh, but conceptually, uh, it's, it's Blade Runner wow. in a music video. And when so you're doing it on a shoestring yeah, yeah. budget, it's all practical effects. Exactly. I mean, I'm not in the video, but that day, I'm, there's a bathtub that weighs 300 pounds that I'm lugging up a staircase to get on a freight elevator to get this thing half filled with water and, and lit and Josie's in a bathtub. Like the things that we had to do in the props and like, you know, she's walking down a hallway and we're, we're shooting rain. Uh, You know, we have these, uh, what they use insect repellent. Like we filled it with water and Ken and I are behind the camera shooting water. So it looks like it's raining inside the building. So we, yeah, it's a team, you know, and um, it and has it's, to be. It's you have understood to pull up. that it's a team. Yeah, but we know we know that Josie's the primary. She, it's her song, of course. And see, you know, that's my thing. Uh, sorry, I'm cutting you up because yeah, that's very sensitive with regard to that. Mm-hmm. It's her song until what? Because like with my band, <clears throat> it's my song until it goes through the ringer of the band. Well, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like us. Yeah, you know, it's yes. us, and that's the same thing. When when I had to have a fill in play a gig, it's there's a different element there, you right. know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, patch mode is a really good example of our approach. I don't know if they do it this way anymore, but uh-huh. back in the day, Martin Gore, Martin Gore would write it. Would, Write it on a four-track yes. recorder with his acoustic guitar, and then all Everybody the bells and whistles in. are added. And, and that's what... I mean, Ken is a synth genius. He is okay. a collector of vintage, vintage and modern synth. synths. He's got a collection of over 200 synthesizers, oh I God. think. Um, and, you Did know, you give him the discount for that? Well, he worked at Guitar <laughs> Center, too, for a long time. He was a regional rep, so okay. he, oh, he got in very well deeper. with, uh. with, uh, with the, the manufacturers. And, um, yeah, we, we hit NAM every year. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, the Hollywood handshakes. And we're, we're, we're pretty good about how we navigate with the gear. And, okay. Um, you know, but, yeah, he's got everything from, you know, old you know, 70s, 80s, you know, Profit, every profit oh keyboard, God. like just everything you can think of. Krumar's oh weird. He had a Synclavier. I don't know if you're hip. Yeah. Jesus, this yeah. thing took up, you know, like a corner of this room. It, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. It was, it was the Synclavier and it was the Fairlight, Fairlight. back in the day. Yeah. And those were like $100,000, yes. if not more. So he has one of those. It, he had it. It was supposed to be a pet project of his. Like, well, when I got time, because none of those things run. Did you they, know? They don't, they don't work, you know, until of you, you, you get them. Did you know my friend has <clears throat> a full set of Simmons drums? Oh, man. I mint, love them Simmons. Mint condition from the kick 
to the tubs, yeah. to everything. Okay, so I love the Simmons. I never got to play the Simmons. I, I watched Roger Taylor use right? the Simmons. Yes, Everybody yes, yes. had the Simmons. And then, you know, Ken and I, being gear nerds that we are, with every video, we try to slip in something nostalgic, something <laughs> that, that the gear nerds yeah. are going to be like, oh, my God, they got that, you know? And um, the No video, there's a song called No and we did this video, and it's all like this black and red theme. These are all on YouTube, right? Yeah, So yeah, we'll yeah, put yeah. the link in the description. Right. And Josie's in this, like, you know, red, skin-tight, patent leather outfit. And, and I've got this black drum kit with the red Simmons pads. Wow. And Ken's got these keyboards. I couldn't even tell you what the hell these things are, but they've got the old computer monitors yeah, yeah, yeah. that are like yeah. the green screen yes. or whatever. And it says certain things, like lyrics of song. We slip in... So much thought and, and effort Detail. goes into the details of all these. Where'd you things. get the Red Simmons though? Um, shortly before, like I was scrambling online to find because the oh, red ones are the hardest yes. to find. They yes. didn't make too many of the red nope. ones, but the black and red thing. I had red symbols in the video. Wow! Because, you know, I should see this. Yeah, yeah. Even though I'm a, I'm a Sabian guy, I love you, Sabian. Uh, I can't say they don't the make same red, they don't make red Sabian <laughs> symbols. So I had to duct tape the you know. Um, but yeah, I have red symbols and a black kit, and 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 I'm like, God, I just want three to four of these red Simmons pads, and like, literally down to crunch time, I found a guy selling three. Wow! In like Sacramento on eBay wow. or something, I'm like, I want all three of those things, and I got them. I'm like, I finally get to you know like see what these things. I'm like. And I hit it, and I'm like, like yeah. this is freaking I awful. Know. It's like hitting from like a countertop. I'm like, I was like, yeah. And they're light and, and built like crap, you know? They're right. just the worst things. And, 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 and I think by the time the video shoot was done, and I only play these things, like we have this very ministry-sounding drum thing that opens the song, and it happens a couple other times in the song. So I'm just, you know, doing that in the video. So I'm not playing these things a lot, but by the end of the shoot, you do it three or four yeah. takes or whatever. They're so old and dry rotted that there's just <laughs> dents. I can never use these things ever again. So they're just sitting there with the octobons that yeah, I used oh. in the other video that we did. We do fun stuff like that, you know, to to uh, just keep the gear nerds in us, um, you know, appeased. So um, yeah. these things, money is involved. Yeah. Moving to LA, money is also involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you and, know, and, and I you, had you a... mentioned a while ago that <laughs> that all these Hollywood so-called promises never happened. Yeah, yeah. How do you sustain yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, going to all these, you know, these open, these open jams, jams and all the, it costs money. Of course, you're paying for parking. You're fifty dollars in before you even yeah. walk in the door. Parking and food. And oh, I had a yeah. good lump sum of money when I got here, and I had zero credit card debt. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm doing good, right? But three months of hitting the pavement, like pounding the pavement, and, and like there wasn't a night off. Like I wanted right. to just integrate myself into the scene as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And I was just blowing through mad cash in the process. Ooh. So I'm like, okay, I need to get a job. I don't want a job. <laughs> so when did, when did you decide to get a job? Like it was three months in, and I started asking people. Like My thing was I, I'm committed to making a go of this this you know, like i wanted music, the, yeah. this music thing to happen and what that meant to me was i want the a-listers are here they're rehearsing here they're going on these big tours i'm not looking for local gigs i'm looking to 
be tour. the drummer yeah. for so yeah. and so and yeah. such and such, right? And uh, you know, uh, so in having to get a day job, the realization of of that, I'm like, okay, it has to be an industry thing. I have to get a job in the industry, rubbing elbows yes. somehow. Whether I'm a grunt worker doing whatever, yes, it has to be. At a, you know, and somebody. And this was a conscious effort. To yeah. Be, okay. So I was having uh, drinks with um, a couple of people, uh, industry people, and I was expressing this idea. And she's like, you should check out this rehearsal facility called Center Staging. Oh, on Rowena. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay. you know. And, and I go online and I check it out. And I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the real deal. Like these yeah. are you know, 3,200 square foot yeah. studio facilities yes. that the biggest of the big names yeah. are rehearsing yeah. at for their tours or TV appearances or whatever. And they have a rental yep. facility for the back line, back line being drums, keyboards, guitars, you know, everything. And, um, you know, so I sent an email to like, I mean, all the people that work, that are higher ups, have their email addresses yeah. listed there. So I just emailed like 10 people or wh- however many. And I, I said the, the cliche, like I'll sweep the damn floors. I don't care. I want to be a part of what you got going on there. And I got a call within 24 hours. It, oh, was, nice. it was crazy. Uh, the, the, the general manager called me up and this was in 2012. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and, and had me in for an interview and he's like, we're, we're looking for an operations manager. Oh, and you had that on your resume. Like, I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that. I did that for Guitar Center for almost nine years, and I had the experience. And and I got called back for a second interview, maybe even a third, before they're like, okay, so here's the deal. We don't want to throw you into that job because these guys, these techs, these workers yeah, that have yeah. been here for like you are going to get chewed up. Oh yeah. These 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 are They're not going to take they're cats, not going to take orders from you. And running the whole yep. grounds of this thing is is we're not going to do that to anybody. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. So they promoted somebody within to get that job, but they're like we we need a lot of help in our drum room and we think that that being the drum manager Right, would be perfect. So, I mean, that's just insane, right there. So you there. were exposed Waltzing to all in, these uh, the plethora of drums and everything. Else. I had everything is there. Millions of dollars worth of drum inventory yes. at my disposal. Everything was there. I'm the guy in charge of like yep. monitoring the inventory, getting the riders yeah. from I don't whoever know, acts Katie coming. Perry's yes, drummer, yes, yes. who is a very lovely guy, um, and 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 fulfilling these riders and understanding you know where they need to go the cartage all this stuff to walk in like the first job that I apply for you know <laughs> and get that at such a facility where you know I'm I'm you know not to mention the the, the studios are filled every day yeah. with everyone from Lady Gaga Katy Perry whoever the the names right. of the day were and then you've got Beck and the who yeah i literally turned a corner in the hallway one day and ran into roger daltrey just and i like just started that. laughing it was just <laughs> i just i couldn't i couldn't help myself i'm just like how do you run into an a, a, an icon like that and keep a straight face <laughs> it was just funny and then um man there was 
you know, there were offsite things that I was doing. I mean, they do anything TV related. Okay. They're doing. So See, the drum nice. sets have to be pristine. Right. We're getting all new stuff. You know, the relationship between the manufacturers, yes. that's when I started to cultivate that stuff. Ah. And I'm like, hey, why don't we do a field trip? Take all the guys in the, in the, rental, the drum rental area and take them to Remo one oh. day to see how the drum heads are made. All along, I'm thinking, I got to shake hands with the guys at Remo, you know. So I had ulterior motives. And, and you know, you're not fooling anyone. Every, yeah. Everybody yeah, in management is like, you're here. You, we know what you moved to town for. Yes. So, but I put it all out there. I'm like, whatever I am doing, I'm doing to the best of my abilities. Correct. I, I try you're to not, kill it. You're not shortchanging them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I designed clamshell cases for drum kits for them because they were using the regular like H and B yeah. or SKB yeah, yeah, yeah. cases to go to the Grammys. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 Too no, long. no, no, no. This is a pain in the ass yes. with the belts and the yes. you know, covers and the. She did the clamshell thing. Yeah, I designed all new clamshells. Now they have a fleet of them, and I designed those. Are you still things. with them though? No, 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 no. Um, I, got, I started long? getting gigs, and I had to ah, quit. <laughs> how long were you there? I for? was there for a year and a half. Nice. And uh, I learned a lot about how the industry works on that level. Like when you're delivering gear to the Ellen DeGeneres show and the Tonight Show, and I remember the first the first offsite job that I had was the MTV Video Awards. And how many at at, at Staples Center? And I'm each just like, artist this, wants a what has. Oh uh, my God! We had to fulfill the riders for the rehearsal space and. The actual show. So you're doubling up on it. And they have to be exact, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and Kenny Aronoff's playing with like 10 different acts. So you got to get him like every Tomacit and known to man is going to Kenny. And, uh, but I, you know, rubbing elbows with all the best of the best, like Kenny Aronoff and J.R. Robinson. And, you know, Steve Ferroni comes in one day and I'm just like, Jesus. And I couldn't help myself. I, I talked to his tech. I'm like, I have a Steve Ferroni snare drum that I would just love for him to sign. <laughs> Did he? Did oh, he? yeah. He's oh. a super nice guy. I had met him at Cafe Cordial okay. on an open jam night. He was the opening. Oh, you know. oh my and God. And I'm like, this guy played on some of my Brian Ferry record, Mamuna, yeah. um, Notorious for Duran, and uh, some cool stuff for Clapton, and, and has been, you know, and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers since the 90s. <laughs> and he's... There. Shaking hands and he's smoking a cigar. He's like, "What's up, kid?" You know, I'm like, I don't know. He gives me his home phone number. He's like, "If you want to study with me, I'm around." You know, I'm like, "Oh, this is insane." You know, and then I see him again. So you start meeting these people, and then you know, I'm going to Nam all the time, and uh, I'm meeting guys like Josh Freeze and yeah, yeah. Abe Laboreal Jr. And then they're rehearsing couple weeks later and they remember me so i'm like jesus and josh freeze was playing with devo or josh freeze is playing with everybody at that time okay. you know he's on th- over 300 records and what's his punk uh oh what the hell is it the vandals the vandals yeah, yeah. Okay. yep uh i think he was doing the perfect circle perfect thing circle at that there point. you go perfect circle was perfect circle but he's on devo like was... avril lavigne records and katie uh not katie perry um uh uh, uh you know, Kelly Clarkson records. Right. And I mean, he's just, and he was part of Nine Inch Nails for a lot of years. Abe Laboreal Jr., no, that guy. Abe ah. is the nicest ah. guy, uh, you know, one of the nicest yes. guys in the industry. And he remembered meeting me at NAM. And uh, boy, uh, this is a story. So it's summer of 2013, and two rooms are booked 
and the rehearsals are overlapping by a few weeks. Rolling Stones. Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney. Fudge. So I walk outside for a cigarette, and I'm seeing Paul McCartney and, and Mick Jagger just talking, chatting. Did and you get there, a and there's, you know, Keith Richards chain smoking. Did you Rob get a Wood. selfie? No, God, no. <laughs> the thing about working there is you have to, you know. Play it cool, right? You have to play it cool. And, and you're, you're there, you know. When you have big acts like that, they have their own operations. Um, my interaction with, you know, the Rolling Stones was from afar. Their drum tech, you know, uh, Charlie, Charlie's tech came to me and said, you need to find me every 60s Speed King pedal that you can find because that's all he'll play and these things break on tour. Right, and yeah. You need to, so I'm on the phone, like, you know, finding all these damn pedals for Charlie Watts. And, uh, and so I collect them all, I get them all together. And the guy's like, you know, well, you want to come in the room? I'm like, yeah, kind of, <laughs> you know, because for somebody like Lady Gaga or Katy Perry or one of the modern artists, you're in and out of those rooms yes. all the time getting the gear. Yes. Big bands like The Who, Paul McCartney's Operation, um, you Rolling, know, Stones. Rolling Stones, they got their truck full of stuff that's being unloaded by their crew. They set up that room. Like for no their touch, comfort, yeah. and yes. you're not going in there unless right. invited. And I was invited, so I walk in, and I mean, there's a living room set up, like you're in you're in your living room. Like they want comfort, you know, and rightfully so. They're they're iconic, you know. And I walk up to to the drum riser, and there is this. What does he play? A Gretsch or a Slingerland? Whatever the hell this thing is that he's been playing for 50 years looks like something that you'd see in your your buddy's basement that his dad had, like back in the, you know. It's this rusted out, terrible drum kit that sounds great when he plays it, but it it, when you get up close to it, you're like, this guy's playing stadiums with this four piece. Uh The cymbals got chunks out of them. And and the best thing was, is behind the drum kit, there is this stand that comes up okay. and comes across, and there's a hanger on it. I'm like, what? Okay, wait, wait. Give, give me the story on this. What's this all about? Well, Charlie dresses in a three-piece suit wherever he goes. He doesn't leave without oh. being dressed to the nines, right? And when he walks into the rehearsal <laughs> studio, he's got his jacket, he puts he it on his hanger behind his drum kit, and he sits down, and he does his thing. You know, and the nicest guy too. He was the only one that that stopped at the gate where everybody was waiting to get a glimpse. He would stop the car and sign, you know, drum heads wow. and autographs and stuff. But that was a trip, man. Seeing seeing your I mean, hero heroes, yeah, and, and, and Abe Laboreal Jr. playing for for uh, for Paul McCartney for like over a decade at that right. point. He had you know Paul's had the same band for a long yeah. time, and. Um, I'll never forget walking into that room. Abe says, yeah, it's the last day of rehearsal, man. It's pretty loose. So come on in. Check out Very the gear. Very lovable. Such a cool dude. And, he, and he's like, yeah, come on in and check out the gear. And it was the last day of rehearsal, so all the band members had their like wives and kids. Yes. And, and they're about ready to ship out on this tour that's going to last God knows how long. And I just remember the vibe in the room. These guys are all like... They're on retainer for over a million dollars. They don't yeah. even have to be on tour. Yes. They're just retained. Yes. And the word retainer these days not, yeah, is non-existent. Yeah, exactly. To, to keep everybody up to speed, this means you're my drummer, and even though I'm not touring, I'm paying you a salary yes. to just be available. At, you know, 
And these guys are making a lot of money. Reel back. And they're playing with Paul McCartney, a Beatle. And the vibe in the room was like, our lives are perfect. <laughs> I can't describe it any other way, man. It was so laid back and so comfortable. Wow. And Abe has me come up to the drum riser and, you know, he's got these little screens, these computer screens. like For what? Well, and, and there's two of them. There's one by his ride cymbal and there's one mounted on the kick drum. I'm like, okay, give me the story on that. Yeah. He's like, well, I sing back up a lot, you know, and there's a lot of material. So he gets the feed of lyrics on oh. one. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the other one? Well, the other one is a camera that's fixed on Paul oh. from the front. So he can give him cues without turning around. Just gives him cues of when to stop or start or, you know, whatever. You know, redo the course. We're going to wow. you know, keep it going wow. or whatever. Wow. And it's, you know, that's cool stuff yeah. to figure out, you know. Because you might see it on TV or see it on tour and you just don't know what the hell that is, you know. So when you were in this, in this time, of your, time of your life, this was like, <laughs> okay, it, it, now it felt like L.A., right? Yeah. I, I had been to, uh, you know... I, I shouldn't say I teched. I schlepped gear at the MTV Video Awards, the Billboard Music Awards, the American Music Awards, um, and then, uh, you know, I was at all the late shows, you know, like the Tonight Show, Leno was still on there, and, and I got to meet the, the, you know, equipment manager there, and wow. I got to go to all the shows and deliver stuff, and uh, then the big one, the World Series of, of award shows, the Grammys. The Grammys. I went to the Grammys. And uh, got in a little bit of trouble at the Grammys. Because Why? The, the way uh, the Grammys are, are and I, I don't know if I'm giving away anything that's not known already, but most of these award shows, they're not really playing anything. It's all the track. Really? The Grammys are live. They, oh. The Grammy Association says no. Everything is going to be performed. And they have a lot of performances on the Grammy. Yeah. So it is a well-oiled machine of the backstage is like a rotating. Everything's on risers. Everything's, you know, on risers. Right. And like a like a rotating, like a record player. So it's like, know, like pit stop. The band's yeah, on. Crew. The, yeah. And, and it's going out to the parking lot where I'm supposed to be taking the gear yeah. and, and casing it up after the performance. But I got the itinerary, and I'm seeing the bands that are on the list of who's playing, and I'm like, Sting and Bruno Mars. <laughs> I'm not staying back here for that. I want to go up there where the action is. So I left my post, and I went oh, to wow. where where the – like, I'm right behind the amps, and I'm, you know, watching Sting's walking past me with Bruno Mars when they're done playing. I'm like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> and then I – you know, walk back to where I'm supposed to be, and I got an earful. Man, where the hell were you? Like, because any little like change in the process, yeah. it's like everything's backed up now, and we're TV, man. It's you got to go. So I got a, I got a little heat for that, but it was worth it. It was cool. Were you able to get <laughs> Were you able to get uh, your first gig because of doing that? You know, it's an interesting thing. Um, uh, the answer is kind of yes and no. Um, The facility has um, A&R offices okay. that, that different manufacturers will rent space to do their uh, yeah. you know, artist relations stuff. That's where I go. Right. For, so for Zildjian. Zildjian yeah. has a, a room there. Uh, you know, some Boss, Roland, Roland uh, has their... their Roland yeah. ha and Roland is who I got in with. And I like Roland because I use Roland Electronics. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, the, uh, the rep there at the time, uh, him and I got along pretty good and 
He hired me. I was hired by Roland to play their electronic kit in a video promotion for a new synthesizer. I think it was the FA06 or some oh. whatever the hell it was. But I'm just the guy behind it. There's the keyboard guy that's nicely right, right, lit right. because it's featuring this keyboard. And I'm the dude in the back playing the drums. Playing the drums. The track. And... Apparently, I, I you know it wowed the 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 uh, the folks in Japan or you know and and when Nam came up, they wanted us to perform this piece three times a day every day at Nam. So uh, I got the call for that gig, nice. and, and things started just rolling in at that point. I I had gotten a gig uh, with a Vegas artist that had a residency at the Stratosphere, uh-huh. it was like a two thousand seat room yeah. with a big you know band. Uh, horn section so you strings. Did, you did the whole Vegas so thing also. doing that, and then he wanted me to come down to Mexico City, and then he wanted me to do Europe with him, and all these things were happening, and I'm trying to work my day job yes. and, and give it 150% there, but stuff was happening, and I was doing these gigs and traveling and taking as much time as they'd allow me right. off of work, and then this Nam thing came up with Roland where they wanted me for that, and Nam had interfered it, it was a year that i think the super bowl kind of screwed things up tv wise so the grammys were happening they had to move the grammys and the grammys were happening the same weekend as nam which you don't take the days off of course leading up to the grammys that like i said is the world series right, of award right, shows right. and now i've got this rolling thing that they want me for that they're paying me you know, a good, good amount yeah. for for something you like to do. Yeah, and then I've got this Vegas thing happening where they're flying me out to do that and want me to go to Mexico City. And then I've got these other little gigs happening, and I'm producing a record for a band called Facing Arrows. That was, you know, that you know that was a great record that never came out, but that's another story. Um, and all these things are happening, and uh, so I, I had to walk in the office, and finally, for the I first time, I didn't wait to get fired or broken the- <laughs> up with or dumped or anything. I, I walked in and said, you know what, you know, because they said, look, we, you know, you knew this day was coming. You got to make a decision whether you want to do this. We need all hands on deck, right. or you're going to go play your gigs. And I'm like, I, respect. I, I think it's yeah. time. I think this is the moment. You know, and uh, they were great. They're still great to me when I need, you know, because now I'm, you know, endorsing DW and, and when I need a kit. So how did you meet John? Did you meet John Good? Is oh, heck that- yeah. John John and me, you know. A tight. Yeah. John and I. John and I. Um, he likes my girlfriend better than me, I think, oh. because she's, you know, that, that whole power couple thing again. She She walks in the room and John's like. You know, and there's me. And he's like, Denise, hi. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just the guy that plays your drums. That's, that's cool. But no, it's it's a great, you know, that's that's the nice, you know, really nice aspect of having somebody that, that you know, right. can have that rapport. John's awesome. He's got Michigan roots, too. He was born that, in Michigan. Oh, there you go. The, the maple comes from Michigan that okay. he builds those kits out of. And uh, so we had a lot to talk about. That was another one of those. I mentioned the field trip to Remo. Yeah. The field trip to DW happened, too. And, uh, and that's where, oh, the Oxford trip. You know, we, we did the tour of the factory, yes. and I had all the guys there, and it was a really nice moment. And, and I got to meet John. And um, how'd you ask for the drums? <clears throat> well, or did you wait for him to give it to you? It was it was a a couple man, that was 2013. I didn't actually sign the papers to be 
an endorser until 2016. Wow. So I cultivated that relationship First, along with yeah. Sabian and Remo and Roland and everybody else that I'm, that I'm, you know, with, um, and, uh, 64 audio. Earbuds. There you go. Um, yeah, it, it, it took a while because I didn't, I didn't have anything to offer in terms of like these big gigs I was playing, but you know, how, how do you ask, how do you, I had to wait for, wait for the right moment to pull the trigger on okay. asking for, you know, Hey, I want to be on the roster. And right. because, you know, in all honesty, I don't ask. Cause you never did. I, I, I don't ask to, you know, I'm not looking for, for free gear right. for the sake of free gear. Right. And it's not the eighties anymore. Nobody gets free gear unless right. you're, you're, you know, Neil got free gear. Uh, you know, Josh Freeze might get free gear because he has everybody's record. Um, but that, that medallion status there is, is upper echelon. Right. There's different tiers, you know? So, um, you know, it was until t- 2016, Laith Alsadi went on The Voice and did extremely well. He was in the top four finalists and got a lot of TV exposure. And that set us on a national tour, which meant, hey, now. <laughs> so that was the moment. And, and, and still, I was very coy and very, I, I don't assert myself. You know, I think I was at NAMM. In in January of 2016, um, and uh, yeah, Lath was still on The Voice, and you know, um, we were gearing up to. We knew to that this tour, was already yeah. like going to happen because if you get far enough, he was on every episode of the season. So you were so LA, you were LA based now, right? Yeah, By, yeah, yeah, okay. This was this Lath, was 2016. And Lath was Michigan. Yeah, and, and he was doing well enough in regionally in in the Midwest to be able to fly me out for right. strings of dates and stuff. So he still wanted me right. to be his friend. I was still valuable. Yes, Aww. and uh, <laughs> warm and squidgy, you know. So I must be doing something right because people yeah. want to fly me out to stuff, and and that's great. So um, he did the voice. He did really well. I went to Nam, and I'm like, you know, there's going to be a lot of. I think the way I posed the question, I was very coy about like the, the the guy that, and his name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. He's no longer with DW, but super nice guy. I'll think of it. Um, but I was talking with him. I'm like, uh, hey, you know, I'm going to be doing this tour with Lath. And there's going to be, a, you know, some cities where I'm not going to be, you know, the way logistically it's going to work. I'm going to need backline right and he's like oh yeah well yeah that just make the call to the backline i'm like well i sort of don't have an official endorsement with you guys it's like what he was just like dumbfounded that like you know because i i've been playing dw since i think 1998 wow so the thing about me going after and and lobbying for relationships with these manufacturers i don't like if i don't play it you i don't, don't yeah I, if i didn't land the dw endorsement i'm still going to be playing yes, dw yes. because i i love what they yes. do i love what john good has done true with the innovation i mean yeah. we can get in oh we can bore the hell out of people with yeah with some the, the wood and the grain you know the way orientation it's, the way it's layered the, yeah, it gets really oh, nerdy yeah. real quick but it's so awesome what what drums do you have Oh man, I have a lot of drums. No, but the the, 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 main, the main DW that you're playing with. Well, I have a on. I have a DW Maple uh, kit that uh, collector series kit that is a silver sparkle with black Ooh. hardware that I've had since 1998, 
And I will never get rid of that kit. And you take that collector's kit on the road with you? I keep that as my live kit in L.A. Okay. I have a Birch DW kit collector series in the studio, mic'd up at all times, ready to roll. my, My question is, there is a drum kit in Michigan, and that stays in Michigan. Yes. It's a performance. Yeah, the performance series is an awesome drum kit. I have that. Yeah. It's right behind you. Is it? It's behind the wall. Okay. Actually, that's that's it. Oh, and that in that beautiful painting that I commented yes, on. Yes, yes, it's in that. It's pretty cool. I yeah, got the, I got know, the red one, the apple. Uh, oh, apple, nice. Apple um, candy apple red. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah. I I was I you know DW did the you know they they held their you know they were only doing the collector series. Mm. For a long time, yes. and it was just like if you were playing DW, where you were playing a Collectors. kit that was just ridiculously expensive and right. well worth every penny. And then they started doing the you know the performance series. Was came it, out and wait, I was wait. Like, did they do the performance first or the design? I think they did performance first, and then design uh-huh. was fairly recent within the last few years. Okay, and I was like, oh no, you know, I was I was kind of yeah. like weirded out by it, like oh you're gonna you know tarnish the you know upper you know the top shelf yes yes reputation no nope. man those kits are still so good and the performance <sighs> kit worked out so well i love the performance i uh, we my 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 band's vocalist has a collect excuse me has a collectors mm-hmm. he never he never takes that on the road so mm-hmm. i said i'm just gonna buy a performance yeah. I, I i've always wanted to buy a collectors yeah but i don't think it's worth me it's worth me taking on the road yeah, there's certain kit like my birch kit that stays in the studio. It's it's like naked wood. It's it's just it's a satin oil natural oh. finish, so it's not meant to be taken out of the studio right, environment. Right, and I'm I'm actually gonna probably part with that kit soon, just for the sake of freeing up space for the new kit that me and John are designing ah. for my studio. Uh, it, it, it it's still a, it, very surreal that I'm with DW and I get to go to Oxnard and sit down in John Good's office as if I'm somebody like John does a lot of videos on YouTube where it's like he, you know, Mick Fleetwood is sitting in the chair across the desk and they're designing his new kit. John treats every endorser the same. And, and he makes, I think I was there talking drum kits. And like I I said, I want to design something new for my studio. I want, you know, I've had that birch kit as my studio kit, I think since 2006 or so. Uh, I'm, you know, aside from the performance kit that, that's, that lives in Detroit, I haven't had a new top end kit for right. a while and, and getting new gear inspires, you know? And, and so I'm like, yeah, I, w- I want to design a new kit. And he's like, yeah, come on down. And uh, I was in his office for four hours you know, it, you know, and I'm just like, when is he going to figure out that I'm not as cool as he thinks I am? <laughs> like, I'm just always just so humbled by like, That's this guy is treating yes. me like, you know, and going back to that story about like, okay, I'm going on the road doing a, a you know, somewhat of a major national right. tour with Lath, uh-huh. and they're like, you know, the A&R guy was like, you're not officially on the road. <laughs> we got to change that. And he marched right over to John and said, did you, in his words, he's like, did you know that Mark is not officially part of the dw family and john just he's so calm and clicked he's like write up the paperwork on monday and i just oh i i was on cloud nine. i'm still on cloud nine it's been i think four what four years now this month that that i signed the paperwork with dw and it's just a dream come true because even if i didn't get that endorsement 
I'd still, You'd be, still I've be. been playing DW since 1998, and I'm going to continue playing DW no matter what. The reason why I started playing DWs <clears throat> because of um, it's very easy to maintain, especially the performance. Yeah, you tune it, and then you just fine tune it. Yeah, sometimes you don't have time to tune it. It's still, still okay. Sound. It's like pizza. It's still good even when it's you not. Know, it, it, it'll work, you know. It's still they, okay. They have their sweet spot, and and his his passion for you know he's the wood whisperer. Yes. You know, he when we were at when I was in his office this last time and talking about like okay, what do we want for this? He's like, I think I'm going to get you into, you know, uh, what what is this new kit that I that he? It's a hybrid of. Um, Cherry and oh, what the hell else is it? He landed a deal where he can go to uh, the Stradivarius company, makes right. all their the violins, violins yeah. and, and and he's got access to that forest. Really? And there's a video that he did of his visit to that forest. To that forest when he, he when he got that all lined up, uh, he's got video his wife's taking. And uh, it's so important to have a good significant other like that that can be a part yeah. of the process. You, you know, have that beside now. every man is is yes. an amazing, you know, yes. significant other that that you know. And you know, shout out to your girlfriend. You have that now yeah, in your life. Yeah, yeah. I have that in my life. Mm-hmm. And this guy has uh, behind the camera, Mike Abad, has his wife who wants a Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about. You got a lot of work to do, my friend. <laughs> But yeah, our, our producer for tonight. Yeah, doing a great job. Checking his Facebook over there. No, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but yeah, his wife's shooting video of him experiencing this trip to to Italy and going to this. I mean, they have to drive, right? You know, Up wherever the they have to yeah. go to to get to this forest. And um, you know, he's he's like, they give him this this little hammer, you know, Ooh. and they're like. Go find your your log, man. Ooh. Go find your chunk of wood. And these are trees. And he's like, "What are you? Are you kidding me?" And and he taps on the tree. Okay, it's me tapping on a tree here. Whatever, you know. A couple trees later, and then he hits this tree, and this note reverberates through the entire forest. Wow. And he turns to the camera, and he's just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" I mean. And there's who still, the hell else is doing that? There's still you know? that passion, right? And, right. And, you know, like, that's... <sighs> he goes to the bottom of Lake Michigan and sludges up this log that's 100 years old and does a, a, a... Or, no, Lake Superior. He did this whole line of, like... I don't know if it was full kits or just snare drums, but it was the Lake Superior limited uh, edition. Yeah. It's just, like, stuff like Speaking, that is just great. When you when you talk to John or anybody from DW, can you please tell them my only complaint? <laughs> is there... Yeah. Is there one? What is it? The the lugs on my on my performance snare mm-hmm. falls off randomly. What the tension rods? Yes, the, the tension rods. They you, back out. They 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 because I'm a hard hitter. Add some finesse to your playing. Man. No, <laughs> I have that too. But <laughs> well, I mean, it could be. It's. I mean, there's situations where I but, have snares where I put the lug locks on it, right? Because but, I tune it lower. Yeah, I don't know where exactly. you're tuning yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. Can back out. But yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't find it anywhere. What those? Because uh, for the for the performance, mm-hmm. the size of the snare is very different from the ones they sell at Guitar Center. Okay. So you so can't. What, they have a different length of yeah. tension rods. 
I can I can hook you hook up. Me up. Hook me up with that. <laughs> I'll, talk, I'll I was, talk to John. I I was about like, it was so it was so funny. I played I played Universal City Walk, mm. and so center staging provided my of course they did yes my kit. So I I, I asked for the same drum kit. <clears throat> yeah, and I was like telling my roadie, you got snag one of those. You got to boost rods. one of those tension. <laughs> And they got extras in the shop over there at Center Staging. Isn't so that so weird? Like that, that's my only complaint. Like, uh, well, like, that's the only thing, but, you know. So, um, yeah, DW. Well, they they make great stuff and very great stuff. This new kit that I'm designing with with John is going to be amazing. As soon as I free up the space, and I'm I'm I don't like parting with any gear, you know. But uh, I got to make space. Space is a hot commodity in yes. this town, and I would love to keep my birch kit, but. It, it served me well, and it's time to move this new hybrid, uh, amazing kit that's going to be custom built by John Good. In My me. God, <laughs> this is amazing! How wild! Now let's go. Let's go back huh? from rural boy Mark Damien mm-hmm. to LA hipster Mark <laughs> Damien. Is that what I am now? <laughs> that was that was quite a journey, man. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. like what are your what are your mom and dad saying about you now? Uh, well, you know, uh, dad, dad is old school. Dad is, is, you know, moved from the old village of Poland to, you know, the promised land to build cars and provide for his family. He's got a different, you know, I'm the only create, like I said, I'm the only creative or musician type in the, in the family. And that's, that's hard because there's, there's not, you know, there's a conversation there's a tough there. Yeah. Under, uh, limited understanding yes, yes. of, of and, and there's concern. I mean, you know, they ask football players, you know, professional football players, would you let your son play football? And the so answer you know. is usually no. Yeah. And I would probably say the same thing. This, wow. this business, if you go in head first, like you have to, you have, you can't to. have a plan B really. No. And it's dangerous. You know, I hope everybody's listening to that because that was my. That what was, is the? I, I I got it because I keep this readily available. If you're if you're hip to the the Hunter S. Thompson quote, no, oh. he was a he was a journalist back in the heyday of rock and roll. He he has Ooh. this great quote: "The music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs." There's also a negative side. Ah, 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 ah. It's one of the greatest quotes because it's so damn true that it, true. it is a money pit. Yeah. You have to spend and yes. spend and spend. Yes. And there's these great memes online about like. Did you, did you read it? Go. Well, I, you, you, you know, you're the only idiots that land a hundred dollar gig and, and spend five thousand dollars on your equipment to, to get, you know, stuff <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense what we do. We do it anyway. And we do it anyway because you have to love it. You have to love the, the creative process. You have to love everything about it. Because if you don't. Yes. There's gonna, you're just gonna, you know, either fade out and get a, a respectable job. Like everything you see around, <laughs> like like everything you see around you right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you want. It takes years to yeah. build it up, and and things are more accessible now. Like, you know, the the late '90s boom of home studio. Like, yes. you don't have to go to Ocean Way anymore to get like, oh, there's good reason to go to Ocean Way and get an amazing uh, drum sound. But if you can't, you can make do with a small yes. studio in North Hollywood where I have my stuff, you know? <laughs> and, you know, that little spot where I'm at is also like you walk, I, I walk out to take a break and across the street 
for me is another practice Studio. facility that like, you know, oh, there's Billy Idol. Cool. Oh. There's Blondie. Garbage yeah. rehearses there. I'm like, jeez. Wow. You know, and, and Slash and Zach Wilde, they, they store their gear there and they rehearse there. And you're just constantly surrounded by some really, really cool stuff. Okay. So now, that being said, mm-hmm. family back there, mm. full-time musician. <laughs> yeah. Are you still... Are you still... Uh, the folks worry. They, they never stop worrying. But mom, how about, mom is always concerned. Of course. But how about you? Like, are you I'm always worried too. Do you, do you <laughs> catch yourself going, there's no plan B. This is my gig. Mm. Well, look, I have other stuff that I do. And, and it's all... Music, you know, music related. Uh, entertainment industry entertainment. related. I, oh, yeah. I, I have a foot in uh, film and television yeah, stuff. With the scoring stuff? That I do. Not so much scoring. I audio related audio, stuff. Audio. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was when I was struggling my first year here, um, a longtime buddy, you mentioned uh, earlier off off camera, off off audio here that that you have a friend that yes. you've known since birth. birth. You know, I have one of those two. It's a rare thing. And uh, since you were you know, three, since I was three or four years old, yeah. I mean, I remember carpooling to kindergarten. He was in first grade. I was in kindergarten. He's a year older than me, but um, my good friend Gary and and uh, we grew up together. And he started doing documentary films uh. and did a great documentary on the birth of techno out of Detroit called High Tech Soul. Uh, the movie did very well, and he started pitching TV shows, and he landed a, a TV show called Startup. Okay. That profiles entrepreneurs right. across the country, kind of, you know. Um, and he did season one, and he asked me what I thought because he respects my opinion as a close friend and somebody that has, you know, a sense for, you know, the technical aspects of, you know, the entertainment stuff. Right. And uh, I told him what I thought. I gave him some some criticisms, and one of the criticisms, I, it was a great show, uh, but it was a half an hour show, and they profiled three businesses in a half an hour. Well, that's quick. Like, that's you're, you're right when you get into the deep stuff because it's a very comprehensive interview about where you got the capital, yeah, where you yeah. got the idea, how did you get the bank loan, if you got a bank loan at all. About entrepreneurs quitting their day job and going right. off and following their dream, right. which is hard to do. Right. <clears throat> By the time he got into the good stuff, it was over. He was on to the next. I'm like, you got to narrow it down from three businesses to maybe two, you know, and your audio's not up to par. It doesn't sound very good. And everybody was in the learning process of how to put together a TV show. The nice thing, Uh, the cool thing about Detroit is people have this do it yourself if you want it done right, you know, and a good work ethic to, to make things happen like that. And that's what he did. You know, it was, it was 2009, 2010 where the, everything crashed right. and went to hell. And he saw all these entrepreneurs, these coffee shops popping up and these people just like doing these mom and right. pop style, like do it yourself kind of things. And he's like, well, how the hell are these people doing it in such a terrible time for the economy? And he would just go there with a camera basically to figure out how he could, it was very selfishly. Yes. Like I want to figure out how these people are doing it for my own benefit. But then he's like, is there a TV show like this? <laughs> is this, this is reality television at yeah. its best because it's got substance and of it's course. not scripted. It's very, you know, and of course he pitched it to some networks and they wanted to script it and ruin it. And then uh, it landed on, you know, PBS said, oh, we love this. Do it. The way, Produce the it. way Gary. And we're not going to touch uh, yeah, it. Okay. And uh, he did that first season 
you know, shoestring budget. He got the sponsorships and, and went out and did it. And, and, um, he asked me what I thought and I told him and, uh, he's like, well, what do you think about mixing the show, doing our audio post? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been mixing songs and records and, and doing that stuff for a long time now, but I don't know anything about right. broadcast specs and, of course. you know, network standards on that stuff and dialogue editing and all that crap. I don't know anything about that. And I'm, I'm out in LA trying to be a drummer. You know, this is not really something that I need to be splitting <laughs> off into. Um, and then I would fly back to Michigan to do some lathe shows yes. and do some other stuff. And, and I would have lunch with Gary and he was, come on, man, you know, we're going into season two right now. We want you as our audio guy, our audio post guy. And, and, you know, a couple trips later and, and he's hearing me, you know, complain about like how hard LA is gig, treating yeah. me. And he caught me at a very vulnerable <laughs> time and we were having lunch and he, and he does the, <laughs> this is an envelope. It's got a check in that envelope and it's for a whole season, 12, thir- 13 episodes worth of audio post work. Take it or leave it. I'm like, okay fine so sink or swim i had to figure out how to you know mix a tv show and now we're eight seasons later and uh you know i eventually became the field audio guy so now i'm doing the tours and going to locations and and doing their field audio because i kept on complaining about like who the hell is doing your field audio this and you have that yeah and then i realized what i was complaining but like it's a hard job right like you're not in a controlled environment so you're gaffing you're recording yeah in locations that are not optimal for you know you're in echo chambers of like you know rooms or you've you're you know adjacent to an airport that's got you know (sighs) it's just there's stuff that you don't think about you know when you get out of the studio and do it on location so it's not a good yeah you're right not a controlled environment so i've been their field audio guy since season four i've been their audio post engineer mixing the show since i think season two or three and then um you know, somewhere along the line, season five or something, they start shooting in 4K and they've got drone operators that oh. are getting these great shots. I'm like, if you use that same stock crappy music that you're spending $100 a year on, like, and it's just terrible, I'm not going to be a part of this thing, man. You're getting these awesome visuals and you're going to oh, put yeah. crap music to so it. So what'd you so do? You scored it? I lobbied for, for the music supervision role and, oh. and I got it. So I'm also the music supervisor and I do get my own cues that yeah. I slip in there and, and get some, you know, stuff on the back end. But I, you know, being spread thin, it's, it's hard. Like I, I, they didn't know where to get music. I didn't know where to right. like. I'm I'm watching shows on on HGTV, DIY Network, and uh, CNN. Huge Anthony Bourdain fan, oh. and it's it crushed me when he yeah. when he died. And and I used that show as like the benchmark of what I wanted. Their sound, their musical choices, even their tempo. Their tempo, well, I, I only have, a, you know, a certain role that I can, that I can you know, play in the editing of, of, you know, how the show is put together. But I used that show as the benchmark for the quality that right. I wanted to turn right. out. And you just start doing things like reading the credits at the end of your favorite shows and seeing where they get wow. their music from. Lo and behold, that's what those credits are for, you know? <laughs> Who's doing their music? 
Well, they're getting it from a library. Well, what's the library? APM Music in New York. Okay, make the call. And I got three quotes. Again, you know? that's, that's your attitude of going back to where, remember we were talking about this band, where did this band get its sound? Yeah. Go yeah, back, yeah, yeah. go back, you gotta go back. You got to just do your research and yes. figure out what, it, 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 when you think somebody's work is awesome, figure out how they're doing it. You right. know? And it's not rocket science. And, and people are very talented at what they do. It's hard to match sometimes that. But you can sure as hell try and you can figure out. Well, and APM music was a little out of our price range. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get that deal penned. But I got another music library that, and and basically all these shows are pulling from libraries yes. because it's just the time constraint in turning out television shows. Yeah. You're on a tight deadline, yeah. Yeah. and I can't like as much as I tried leading up to that that season where I was allowed to be in control of the music. I was like. Oh, I'm going to not only get paid as music supervisor, write, but I'm going to write, write my songs, stuff yeah. and get my cues in there and get money on the back end. And it took me a month to produce, <laughs> record, and like, you're just taking shots From in the dark. From someone with a studio, huh? It takes a long time. Yeah, true. To, and all you need is like 30 seconds. True. I never use a piece of music that's longer than a minute and a half is like a long time to have one piece of music going. You know, you start to learn, well, a half an hour show, I usually use 40 cues. Right. And you, you start to do, yes. you do the numbers and figure out what you normally use, how long these cues are. And, uh, well, that's what you need. But you need 13 episodes worth of stuff. So 40 times 13. It would have taken me so long to compose a library of stuff. So I'm like, how does everybody else do it? For these cues, do you get paid by the second? You get paid by duration, yeah. Okay. And that's how it works in the film trailer world, too, which I'm a part of. Uh, I got a lot of irons and and uh, a lot of fires. And uh, film trailer world is another different one. It's like, you know... That you're doing a ton of work on the front end and just hoping, you know, it's it's not a comfortable position to be in. Although you have leverage because you submit your libraries of whether it's short sound effect, like you know they have clever names for all these things. If you watch enough trailers, they're all the damn same. There there right. there there's a cookie cutter approach to here's your <clears throat> in a world, <laughs> you know. That crap is how it starts, and then it mm, you have the rises, and then the drops, and everything goes nuts percussively for all of three seconds, and then mm. <laughs> you know, you know, oh, and then it, hold and, on, uh oh, did we lose uh, that? Uh, no, 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 okay, because that was good stuff there, you know. We're down, yeah. No, no, we're, okay, we're still good. Okay, did we capture no, that, no, we're still that good. quality? Uh, yes, okay. yes. We're but still yeah, good. and then it ends with the, you know. Yeah. So you just create those sounds. You make them as new and as powerful, and you got to make sure that the speakers are exploding because that's right. what the music supervisors for film trailers want. And you submit your library and forget about it until... You get a phone call you got or an paid. email uh-huh. saying, well, here's where the leverage is. And this is the only area of the industry of entertainment where you, the leverage is on the composer's side. Because how it works is the music supervisor spends days, if not weeks, putting together this trailer for ah. the, the studio that, that hired them. Right. I always thought that you know if Warner Brothers Pictures or whoever, Universal Pictures or Paramount, if they put a movie out, they're doing the trailer too. No, 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 no. They hire that out. There's all these different oh. companies, trailer companies. There's gazillions of them in town. 
And, uh, you know, that's where my sound library goes to is all those guys. And they have to be tagged properly with catch words so yes. it's in their database. So when they're putting this trailer together, they're pulling up, you know, yeah, they, all these weird noises and shit, right? You know, so my stuff gets placed in there amongst uh, uh, probably 50 lot, other, yeah. you know, things. And the work has been done. The last thing they want to do is redo something because yes, you know, yes. and there's there's kind of a lot of money in the film industry. <laughs> it's 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 where all of the money is, and um, yeah, they're like, how much for we use this cue, this cue, that cue, and the duration is four seconds here, ten seconds there, and ooh, there's a twenty second one there. That's gonna be good. And you you give them a quote. You give him a quote. Yeah. You're like, I want... Based on what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't deal with a lot of that. Remember, we were talking about Wilson Phillips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy... Troy, okay. who was their touring guitar player, has a company called Alloy Tracks. Oh, he's your publisher. And, and, he, and he's, he's the facilitator. He was a composer for a long time, but ah. now he's got so many people like myself right. that submit to his library, right. and he plays... So he's it. the aggregate that... Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, mate, you got to get me more sounds, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, but it's a, it's a blank page, man. Like, you don't know... Like, I'll watch some trailers and try to get a feel for what these music soups are looking for sound wise. And I'll just try to recreate them. And it always sounds different. Yes. Even though you're trying to copy something per se. And, but you just make all these wackadoodle noises or these sequences of like sad piano things or whatever. And you just put them in a library and give them the Troy for LA tracks. And then I could be on the road in like Boise, Idaho and get an email saying, Hey, they want, you know, that you place this, that, and the other thing. I let him deal with like, he knows how much we can and get. Troy makes how much? I'm sure he... I don't care. Right. I'm getting mailbox money, man. Oh, yeah. That's a term in LA that we use for, for this kind of thing. Mailbox money is, is awesome. Now let's know. recap. Where, where are we going now? No, 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 no. Where, what, what are we well, pretty much, this is, this is... Because at the beginning of this conversation, I was interviewing a drummer. At the end of this conversation, I'm interviewing an entrepreneur. <laughs> in, in the sense, yeah. Right? In the sense, yeah. It's, and uh, I am just... Um, now, this is your origin story, which means I want you back. Oh. Because you're, you, you're living the dream. <laughs> oh, man. We didn't get to the... the uh, Not the, even, right? <laughs> we Not didn't get the to the downtrodden... But Substance abusing, self medicating, like depressing we'll, 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 we'll stuff get, that happens. Of course, we'll get to that. I mean, <laughs> uh, but what I because that's the real stuff. Oh like, hell yeah! But you know what? This is, and again, like you coming here was already inspiring in itself. You telling your story. I mean, who would have known? Like, we're, we're on to, what, four hours? Yeah, yeah. Didn't even feel like four hours. Seriously, did not even feel like four hours. This is the perfect, <laughs> this is the perfect podcast for someone going on a road trip. Mm. Seriously. Because, because I've learned so much from you. And, and I'm older than you. But I've learned so Maybe. much from you. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate you. And well, um, I, I appreciate so this is having the, the opportunity to talk the, about all this stuff. Yeah. And thanks to our producer, Michael Abad, also for, for making this That's the connection happen. right there. Yes. Sold that guy a snare drum. And, and next See? thing I know, I'm talking for four hours about See? my life story. <laughs> but of course, bright side, there's a dark side, mm -hmm. which means an A side has to have a B side. So a yin and I'm, yang, yeah. I'm committing you 
on video and on audio to come back. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. Yes. How soon you want me back? What are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) Soon. Soon. Before you go on the road again. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to go, go to the link in the description and please follow Mark Damien. Drum lessons, do you offer that? Yes. Yeah. And Damien is D-A-M-I-A-N. There you go. I get a lot of, you know. Really? E-N. And you oh, won't, you won't find me. I don't know. Maybe you will eventually. But maybe it's... you should start tagging that name as well, right? <laughs> right. But uh, don't forget. Yeah, this. lessons, audio work, drumming. Yes, this is our. Man. This is our uh, first episode after we've hit one thousand. So congratulations on. Thank that. you, thank yeah. you, and uh, our commitment is to support you one hundred percent. But please do come back because the community needs people like you. We need people like you to educate us, especially to help. I'm going to tell it like it is, man. Yes. No no use in sugarcoating it now. Please. Nothing to lose. Please. (laughs) Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on on all the streaming platforms. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, I am Paco Aras Pacochaga. This is the Paco Aras Pacochaga podcast live at Paco's Place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.